Welcome to Lost in Twin Peaks. Today's podcast is on Season 1, Episode 7, and the question of who killed Laura Palmer uh, as far as the clues and evidence that we have at this point in the series. So no spoilers for what's uh, upcoming. And then at the end of this uh, of this particular podcast episode, we're going to talk about the structure of Season 1, Episode 7 and how it assembles its narrative. And actually, at the end of this podcast, I'm going to have another section called the Top Storyline, where I talk about the narrative or narratives with the most scenes in this episode. And if you're listening to this when it first comes out in November 2021, please note I went back and added this section to the other six uh, previous episodes. Uh, it had been something I overlooked that I, I had in later patron podcasts, so I wanted to go back and make sure that these public ones had it as well. Who killed Laura Palmer? Here are the new clues we get by the active investigations going on right now. And I've divided, I've, I've, I continue to sort of organize and focus this material so that I can deliver it the most clearly. At this point, I've now separated. Uh, these clues into two sections and the investigations within each one. The first is murder and surrounding incidents, and the second is life leading up to death. So let's start with murder and surrounding incidents. For the police and the FBI, they have one area of inquiry that's Waldo the Bird. They got to him through a mix of autopsy, a dream trail, and a suspect area, Jacques' cabin. So what they find in this episode is a picture of Waldo on Laura's shoulder. At least Cooper's pretty sure that it's Waldo. So that kind of confirms the last confirmation we needed, if we need any more, that he's the bird that, that bit her uh, shoulder and that therefore they are definitely connected. So they set up a tape recorder to record whatever Waldo's going to say because he's a minor bird. He repeats, you know, he does mimicry. And they're hoping maybe he heard something uh, from the night in the cabin that he'll kind of repeat and they'll be able to use as, as evidence in some way. Another area of inquiry that the poli- for the police and the FBI in this episode is One-Eyed Jacks. This springs from the autopsy where they found the chip in her stomach, the suspect area where they found the other part of the chip, and then just general police knowledge because Hawk actually tells them in this episode that Jacques Renault works at One-Eyed Jacks, that he's like a part-time blackjack dealer. And I don't think we've gotten this information anywhere else yet. As far as we knew, he worked at the Roadhouse, so um, I, I'm trying to remember in episode four if when they got the One-Eyed Jacks thing faxed over and they found out that Waldo belonged to Jacques Renault, if uh, Harry said, oh, Jacques works at One-Eyed Jacks, I, I can't quite remember. But, you know, the point is we're, we've now got a cup, at least one cop saying that, that and, and that gets them to decide they're going to do some sort of uh, operation there. Uh, Cooper suggests field work, even though it's out of their jurisdiction, they're going to do the bookhouse boys thing. So this is sort of the full-on dovetailing of their earlier drug investigation into the Laura murder investigation. These two are now totally hand in glove. And Albert uh, confirms that the chip that they found matches the fragment in Laura's stomach. It's a $1,000 chip from One-Eyed Jacks. So that's just sort of more confirmation that One-Eyed Jacks is connected to all this, and it's it's a place they want to go to see if they can find Jacques and see, you know, how Laura was connected and what happened with that chip. Another area of inquiry for the police and the FBI are, uh, and this ties into One-Eyed Jacks, obviously, now at this point, but Jacques and Leo as suspects. The Jacques and Leo uh, areas of inquiry come from, uh, in Jacques' case, autopsy, dream trail, suspect area and surveillance, and in Leo's case, witness interview, police knowledge, and the suspect area as well. Uh, and they're tied together because at this point, 
it's sort of hard to distinguish who did what at the cabin. We know they were both there. Um, that's confirmed, Cooper says. Forensics confirms Jacques Renault had three guests the night of Laura's murder. Laura, Renette, and Leo. So we've got them all in the same place at the same time. And Waldo, before he's shot by Leo, says, Leo, no, after hurting me and stop. So if this is mimicry from the night that Laura was killed, that's pretty ominous, suggesting maybe Leo was, was hurting Laura at some point. For the omniscient view, we get uh, also some information that the police FBI don't have access to. Only we do as viewers, as far as the, uh, you know, the the Waldo aspect and the Leo as a suspect aspect of the murder go. Uh, we know that Leo is desperate to silence Waldo, so he must know that he's a threat somehow. And that in itself is pretty suggestive. For the life leading up to Laura's death, we don't have anything from the police FBI this time. Um, they're all pretty focused on material uh, uh, relating directly to her murder. The night she spent there, what was found in the autopsy, and the suspects in the murder and everything. Audrey, uh, on the other hand, is very focused on Laura's life leading up to death. She is at her place of work trying to figure out what's going on there. So the area of inquiry is Laura's job at the perfume counter and the counter's connection to One-Eyed Jacks. And this uh, this area of inquiry comes from a police tip, because Cooper told Audrey at, some, at one point that Renette worked at uh, the perfume counter, and Audrey already knew that Laura did, so this kind of connected them in her mind. And also the undercover surveillance that Audrey does in this episode. So what she finds is Emery recommends girls for jobs at One-Eyed Jack's with a hostess, cocktail waitress, or, if you are chosen, hospitality girl, as he says, who escorts important guests, VIPs. It tells the other girl that uh, Audrey is spying on. It's a lucrative opportunity, attending to wealthy men who need a little company. And he tells her to call this number and ask for Black Rose. So this is everything Audrey is observing uh, as she hides out in the closet in Emery's uh, room and watches Jenny, one of her co-workers, get kind of funneled into One-Eyed Jacks. So Audrey's able to use this information later to uh, tell Je make it seem to Jenny like she is uh, one of these girls as well, get her to trust her and give her Blackie's number. She says, oh, I lost Black Rose's number. Can you give it to me? So a little deft, clever uh, work on Audrey's part, gets her investigation pretty far, ends up in One-Eyed Jacks herself. She also finds Renette's name is in Emery's book with a five-heart rating. So strong implication, uh, I don't, you know, that uh, uh, Renette was sent from the perfume counter to One-Eyed Jacks, which leads us one step closer to thinking that quite probably Laura was as well. So did this trafficking have anything to do with her death? What did it lead her towards? Audrey's on the path to finding out. And then the other investigation looking into Laura's life leading up to her death is Donna James and Maddie. And their area of inquiry is the tapes that she was sending to Jacoby. And they got on this path from Audrey in a police tip, which is how they found out that Laura was seeing Jacoby. Originally, Jacoby himself passed this information along to Cooper, who passed it along to Audrey, who passed it along to Donna. And they also get in this direction from personal knowledge because they know Laura had a hiding space. Maddie remembers where it was uh, in her bedpost, and so they find these tapes. So in this episode, they listen to them. They find out that uh, Jacoby liked Laura's Big Bad Dreams and The Naked Secrets, and she knows that he likes her and says, that'll be my little secret too. And also that he has some sort of secret coconut that she refers to. They don't know what that means. And they find that there's a missing tape in her collection, a missing um, 
you know, a case that's missing a tape, and the case is labeled February 23rd, which is the night Laura died. So they deduce, well, obviously, Jacoby still has this tape. So he's got a piece of evidence they really want to get, that which will maybe confirm if she was telling him something that would lead him to kill her or something like that. So James plans to get the tape back and uh, to coax him out by having Maddie impersonate Laura. So that's what we see them do in the latter part of the episode. Information that's known to us but new to the characters. Uh, Donna, James, and Maddie finding out that Jacoby has Laura's last tape is something we learned about way back in episode one, but now they're seeing it too. Same thing with the coconut. We saw that in episode one when he opened it up and saw the half-heart necklace. So we don't know what Laura knows about that, but we do know about that that coconut thing existing. We get nothing new on quite a few areas of inquiry uh, this episode. We're really focusing on certain areas at the exclusion of others. So the that in, the stuff that we get nothing new on includes a serial killer, charity, common knowledge of the community, the mystery man, James is a suspect, Ben is a suspect, Bob is a suspect, Bobby is a suspect, and uh, the criminal world, the drugs aspect. We don't get anything new on the uh, log lady's account. Anything new on the bloody shirt or the flesh world connection uh, either. So let's gather clues and look at the big picture. Here's what we've got from this episode. Laura's connection to Waldo is strengthened by photographic evidence and Waldo's own mimicry, and Leo is threatened by Waldo's capture. Jacques works at One-Eyed Jacks and may be responsible for the chip fragment found in Laura. Jacques, Leo, Renette, and Laura are all confirmed at the cabin the night Laura died. Emery funnels girls from the perfume counter where Laura worked to One-Eyed Jacks to work for Blackie, and Renette appears to be one of those girls, and Laura believed Jacoby was attracted to her and her bad side, and she knew about the secret coconut where he eventually hides her necklace. In short, Laura was a publicly generous and privately troubled young woman who struggled to overcome self-loathing. She worked at Ben's department store, where there is a confirmed sex trafficking scheme, was involved with criminal networks, and spent the night before she died with Leo Jacques and Renette and she was tortured and murdered by a possibly occultist serial killer who may be her mystery man. Even more than the previous episode, this is where the structure of interweaving investigations comes even more into focus. Twice as many scenes deal directly with the Cooper, Police, Audrey, or Donna James Maddie investigations, 18 versus 9, that don't. Of those nine scenes that don't deal with those investigations, one, Cooper's first scene with Audrey, will feed into her own storyline as we see by episode's end when she tries to reach Cooper. Three other, store, three other scenes emphasize the ghost wooden mill plot, which is the big non-Laura story this season, at least non-Laura so far, and two scenes pursue the Shelley-Bobby-Leo drama, which is probably the second biggest, aside from the fact that it does intersect with some of the Laura material. That leaves just three one-scene storylines in episode six. Nadine grieves for her drape runner patents with Ed. Lucy has an unknown medical crisis that may be informing her treatment of Andy. And a diner sequence dwells on Hank, himself drawing closer to the Mill storyline in obscure ways. And each of those stories seems to be primed for an upcoming climax, as are the main storylines. You can really tell this is the penultimate episode, prepping for a season finale. Gone are the days of Twin Peaks episodes that would drop in on characters to explore their situation without pushing them toward action. For an episode with the famous give yourself a present, stop and smell the coffee speech, plot advancement is obviously a very big priority. Commercial breaks occur at 12 minutes between Laura's friends listening to her say, I feel like I'm in a dream tonight, 
and a Horns department store establishing shot, followed by Audrey at the perfume counter. The next break occurs at 24 minutes between Harry telling Josie he won't let her get hurt and Cooper walking down the Great Northern Hotel in a tuxedo, and then 32 minutes between Waldo's recording saying, Leo, no, Leo, no, and the neon one-eyed Jack sign, followed by Cooper walking upstairs inside the casino. So all of the outros into the breaks feel less like the culminations of acts than just purely dramatic punctuation, highlighting moments of mystery, suspense, and ominous suggestion, respectively. However, each return from the break initiates an important stretch, and indeed the episode does organize itself into convenient acts. Act 1 is all about setting up tense situations. The One-Eyed Jacks raid, Leo threatening Shelly and Bobby with a temporary reprieve, and a plan to get Laura's tape. Act 2 is much more focused on one plot. Audrey at Horns is clearly the centerpiece here. There's three scenes, more than I think half the the scenes in this act. And uh, there are some one-off scenes squeezed in here just to fill it out, but clearly the Audrey stuff is driving it. This is... You know, the most Audrey act we've seen of Twin Peaks so far, this this section. Act three is bookended by long scenes with the cops. Uh, and they're kind of our primary focus here. We are starting to transition Audrey towards One-Eyed Jacks. And act four is very much intercutting all three investigations, particularly the Maddie, Laura, and Donna stuff and uh, Cooper at One-Eyed Jacks, although we get a scene of Audrey now at One-Eyed Jacks as well in there. And throughout the last three acts, there are mill scenes interspersed, one per act, so that we are not forgetting about that that part, that sort of B-plot, you know? So pretty well-structured to be both a satisfying episode on its own and also lead us toward this big finale. The previously on recap at the beginning of the episode focuses on Audrey telling Emery to put her at the perfume counter. And uh, we have Norma telling Hank that washing dishes would be fine, getting him to work in the diner. Maddie calls Donna about the tapes. Uh, Cooper says, why would Jacques have heating oil? And they approach his log cabin. We see them going there. And as the log lady says, two men, two girls, screams. We see Cooper grabbing twine from Jacques' cabin, Hawk opening a camera, Harry unveiling Waldo's birdcage, and chips cascading down from the cuckoo clock, with Cooper finding one with a missing piece. We also see Audrey spying on Ben as he tells Catherine they need to give Josie one last chance to sign before the mill fire, and then we see Ben telling Josie that they're taking a risk if anyone sees them. Shelley shoots Leo, and Audrey sits up in Cooper's bed asking him please not to make her leave. So we're seeing all of these different plot threads in action, and again, all of, you know, we're being pointed already to this sort of idea that this episode that we're about to watch is going to deal with like advancing all of these different plots, all these situations that been that have been set up. Uh, that's really the the kind of the drive of this late season one material. In this episode, the top storylines by number of scenes are actually a three-way tie between Laura's murder, her therapy, and her employment. All of those uh, storylines have roughly equal scenes. Uh, well, exactly equal, but roughly in the sense that, you know, the scenes are could be wildly different lengths. I didn't do it by screen time. I got enough, my you know, my hands are full with the, the character screen times that I do. But uh, if you look at it just by when the episode focuses on it, cuts away, comes back to it, all of these have about six scenes each. So uh, that's just interesting, I think, because at this point in the season, Twin Peaks is really dividing itself among different investigations. And here you have the big three, Cooper, 
Donna and James, and Audrey. One looking at her involvement with criminal enterprises, one looking at her personal psychological life and what was driving her that may have led to her murder, and the other looking at her social engagements, her employment first with the Horns department store, and then it seems possibly with One-Eyed Jacks as well. And each of these, as I've noted before, reflects the particular detective's uh, orientation. So Cooper is an FBI agent. He's looking for crime, digging up networks that he's got to uh, bust up, as is the sheriff's department very much, who he's collaborating with on this investigation. Don and James were Laura's close friends. They really want to know what was going on in her head that brought her here. And Audrey has always been sort of impressed with Laura from afar, her, you know, popularity and her confidence and in a way that Audrey is maybe wants to emulate a little bit. So that's what drives her particular investigation. So I love this aspect of it. I'll I'll talk about this elsewhere in the episode, but I, I just find it equal that even in like technical, mechanical, mathematical terms, whatever you want to call it, the episode breaks down this way where these three investigations are given equal weight. That's it for this episode. Tomorrow we pick up with Season 1, Episode 7. The uh, scenes of the episode organized by Laura Palmer's storyline. So any of the subplots or main murder plot that have to do with her. Uh, but, But looking at it scene by scene, picking apart what the characters are doing in that moment and what's interesting about it. Again, this is just one of my favorite episodes of Season 1. So there's so much to dig into with this. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You can also become a patron at patreon.com slash lostinthemovies and jump ahead to uh, really through Firewalk with me in season three. All of the episodes are uh, on there in longer form. You know, I don't didn't divide them up the same way when I recorded them for patrons, but all that material is there if you want to leap ahead. And uh, if you're still just listening in the, on the public uh, feed, see you tomorrow. 